it's Coach Tori, and this is Raising Runners. We will be talking about running, mental health, youth sport burnout, specialization in sports, motivation, encouragement, coaching, parenting, sleep, nutrition, really anything that you can think of that we as parents or coaches or just runners can do to help our young athletes. interview was so 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 fun um listening back to it i was reminded that it was such a great conversation so hopefully we can have sarah back but let me give you her intro and i'm going to read it because she has done so many awesome things and has a lot of qualifications so today i talked to sarah vitor and i should have asked how to say her last name because i talked to her for like over an hour but She combines cutting-edge neuroscience, somatics, and mindset training to help athletes overcome fears, blocks, and injuries, develop mental toughness, and perform to their fullest potential. She has written four books for athletes. She works one-on-one and in groups with athletes of all ages and across all sports and levels, leaders, entrepreneurs, parents, and coaches to support them in navigating fears and blocks so that they can perform their best consistently and confidently when it counts the most. Sarah understands the importance of looking at the brain-body connection as a whole system and its direct effect on peak performance. She specializes in working with athletes who struggle with repetitive performance problems. Sarah is on a mission to educate coaches, parents, and athletes about the importance of rest and restore as the missing piece for reaching ultimate peak performance through nervous system regulation and connective tissue care. She works with athletes and teams to integrate the MELT method into their weekly training programs to get the most out of repetitive training, reduce damage to the body, minimize the risk of injury, and speed up recovery time. So as you guys know, I don't usually just read off people's bios, but this kind of felt like it covered everything, and we talked so much about so many different things, so I thought this worked. So enjoy the interview. So, and also I'm having better luck with my internet today. Yesterday I was recording and it was just, you know, skipping every two seconds. So um, so frustrating. (laughs) There's, I mean, I'm sure there might be something you can do, but I'm like, there was nothing I can do to fix it. So, um, so far so good. If you want to start by just kind of telling us about you, where you, you know, if you did sports as a kid, you know, fitness, anything, and then kind of how you got to where you are now. Okay, sure. Yeah. So um, I, uh, growing up, I was a competitive softball player and a competitive dancer. And in 11th grade, I had an injury uh, to my ankle and had surgery and like just stopped everything. Um, And so that was something I had to to revisit when I got when I got older. Um, And I grew up in sort of a unique environment because my father is a a sports performance consultant and had been doing the work since I was small. And so I grew up traveling with him and going to workshops and talks and getting to participate and help and sort of seeing that aspect of um, peak performance and and working with athletes that had blocks or fears and sort of what was coming up for them. And um, I did my graduate studies in guidance counseling, so I have a master's in education. And so I stepped into a school guidance counseling position in a, in a high school, and I did that for five years. And the minute I stepped into that arena, I realized I didn't want to work in a school. 
<laughs> so, um, so I had sort of like one of those oh no moments and uh, had a conversation with my dad and he said, well, why don't you come and train with me and work with me? And um, I started a training at the time called somatic experiencing, which is a trauma modality that I work with um, athletes that have really um, specific blocks and fears that are rooted in accidents or humiliation moments or falls or scary things. And so I started to do that training. And then, um, so this was now six years ago, quit my job um, at the high school to start my private practice. And so I have a private practice where I'm a peak performance coach and I work with athletes and performers who have blocks or fears or navigating negative thinking and doubts. And I also um, work with uh, high performing humans, <laughs> entrepreneurs, parents, busy people who are juggling lots of components and are looking to have more ease and expand their capacity at the body level. So I'm working with athletes and coaches and, um, and teams and groups and also individuals and couples and um, I've done a lot of work in schools with high school students and, and working on your body and how to notice your stress response and learn about your nervous system and um, have done a lot of work with a close friend who runs an organization called Lead Yourself Youth. So we go into schools to kind of deliver some of this education that's really missing from our schools, like really foundational information around how we breathe and what stress is and what's showing up in the body to separate that out from a lot of the mental health issues that are popping up um, and kids are getting diagnosed and we're, we're labeling prob problems without educating um, kids around what's actually going on in their bodies. So I love working with, with young people and teenagers and young adults. And I mean, I work all the way through adult, you know, adulthood, but recognizing that our thoughts are not what we like we're not our thoughts and they're not true and they're like these basic foundational components of how our body works uh, is just missing and so I get really jazzed up about weaving that in in the work and in the entrance of sports always for for kids and um and, but they're life skills and uh, you know we have a body and we get nervous and we get scared and so um yeah weaving that in so that the tools and strategies they're learning are helping them across the board. Wow. Okay. As you were talking, I feel like my brain went in like a hundred <laughs> different directions of, I was like, okay, I want to ask this next. And no, I want to ask this next. And no, I want to go here. And of course, none of that, because you saw, I was not typing at any point to be like, where do I want to go? Right. I'm just like okay. listening. So <laughs> let's see. I guess to start, I'm trying to like now go back to like the first sure. thing. So talking about the kids in sports that you see, whether it's for like a trauma or, you know, an injury or any of those kinds of things, yeah. um, are there some like specific, I guess, like, are there sports related traumas that are like you see often, or is it like very individualized or are there a lot of similar things that you're seeing for kids in sports? If that sure. question makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely makes a lot of sense. So trauma is not the actual experience that happens. It's how our body is interpreting what's happening. So what might be traumatic, I'm putting that in quotes for the viewers, right? What might be traumatic for one person, right, is fine for another in their body. And so depending on what's presenting with the kid, we're addressing sort of the components. So overall, we're, we're building awareness around 
you know, we're wired as mammals. And so our nervous system is designed to protect us. And so it does certain things in order to keep us safe. And those certain things can be very inconvenient when you're trying to execute um, in your in your sport. They slow us down, our breathing gets shallow, our muscles get tight when the body is sens sensing anything dangerous. And danger I'm also putting in quotes. Danger could be, right, fear of making a mistake, fear of disappointing a coach, fear of disappointing a parent, right? Oh, the last time I was at this meet, the same thing happened. I hope that doesn't happen again. And so learning how to recognize the triggers in the body, like learning awareness around how our body is communicating to us, because it often speaks to us. Um, pretty loudly, but we're not taught how to listen. We're not taught how to notice it. And so there are lots of things that uh, anyone and athletes can do to learn some of these early cues that are going to um, help then settle your system or do something in a moment so that you then can execute. So comment to address, I kind of went in a circle. <laughs> but to address sort of the other question around common trauma. So a lot of times what I will see is I work a lot with gymnasts. I work a lot with divers. I work a lot with equestrian um, sports that have um, a high injury or impact where when you're learning something new, we make mistakes and then those mistakes hurt your body. Right. And so then the body is remembering those things. So athletes who might have had a scary fall or, you know, track athletes who've tripped over um, a hurdle. Right. And then the body, you know, gets bruised and maybe it's not a big deal mentally. Right. Or, oh, it was embarrassing for a moment. But the body is hanging on to that as something that was uh, very upsetting. And so then that can show up before a race or a competition as a lot of negative thinking or doubts that might not have been there before. It could show up in the body as feeling like really nervous, even though um, you haven't been nervous before. A lot of athletes come and see me because nothing necessarily has happened, but they're not doing as well in practice than they are in um competition so they're really executing it they're like a different athlete in practice competition comes time comes and then they're they're a mess they're running slower they're not hitting their times and they're it's just not lining up and so i'll see that a lot so oftentimes sort of contributing factors would be a lot of negative thinking and doubts that are going on in the head right because we have this beautiful mind body connection and so when i have negative thoughts my body is actually going to have a physical response to those negative thoughts, which then impedes the performance. So we're looking at sort of, okay, what are we thinking about? Like, what is the body doing? So that people and have very concrete things they can be doing um, aside from just spiraling in what I call the negative vortex of doom and gloom and misery where life is over and they're never getting into college because the one race has destroyed the career. So, so helping athletes like notice like, okay, where are we going wrong mentally? Where are we letting our body sort of freak out when we can um, interrupt it and redirect it? And so then depending on, um, you know, what an athlete is presenting, we're going to like look at those pieces. Um, but a lot of times I do have to say, you know, the environment plays a real significant role in how athletes are performing. And so a lot of times what happens is that a lot of performance problems are stemming from coaches who are yelling or who are getting really upset 
um, or who are putting um, pressure on outcome and have a lot of expectations. I see this a lot in swimming and in, in, in running where there's a really high time focus and, and where coaches are really overly focused on that outcome factor, which generates a lot of pressure in a, in a body, which generates as fear in the body, even though the coach is like, no big deal, this is motivating. Some kids are motivated by this, like, you know, putting the pressure on a lot of kids go into shutdown and they don't get to decide that that's not like a mental choice they're making. That's like a physiological component that's happening. And so coaching and parents, right. A lot of parents come and find me and they say, oh my God, I read all your stuff and I'm doing it all wrong. Please help. Right. So, you know, what we're saying to our kids and I know I have I have an eight year old who's super competitive soccer player and it's really hard for me to get in the car and not say anything to him after. I mean, and I'm an expert in this. Right. And I have to bite my tongue is our kids can't be performing for us as parents. They have to be performing because they want it and they love it. And that's where motivation comes from. And when we as parents sort of add pressure, we as coaches are setting up kids to focus only on outcome or compare or really focus on winning, um, it, it really interrupts and impedes the potential that a human body has to execute. Sorry, now my mouse was like all the way over here because I was actually typing this time. And then of course, again, got, got too focused, but okay. So with that, because I'm glad you brought up parents and coaches, because that was going to be one of my questions is I guess like a two-part question. One would be, I think at this point, a lot of us can recognize or know that like, we shouldn't be doing all the yelling, screaming and outcome focused stuff. But do you have a couple of things that we, if parents and coaches is the same, or if it's different, that's fine. Um, that we should be doing to help motivate and encourage without doing those damaging things. And then with that as parents and coaches, I mean, I guess it's, you know, you mentioned some of the obvious ones of like an injury or like, you know, a big event or something that they would need to see where they're not performing, but are there other things that we might notice to say like, oh, Hey, maybe something more is going on and they like our, our child or our athlete should come see a peak performance coach. Sure. Yeah. Lots of, I'm going to see if I can follow the, <laughs> the order of questions, but we can always circle back. So I, for parents and coaches, it's similar and different because we're all playing different roles, right? As parents, you have a parent role, and that is to schlep your kid to the sports and put a smile on your face and, <laughs> and encourage fun, right? Like that's your parent role. And it's not to talk about how much money the sport costs, and it's not to talk about how exhausted you are from schlepping them or how their performance like has to happen or, or get excited. It's to, to show up. And to be a space for if, the, if your kid is having a harder time, to be available if they're wanting and desiring to talk about that. So if you're noticing like, you know, it's always the car ride home, like you don't wanna dissect practice, right? We could ask how it was, good or bad, and then provide the space if they seem upset or after a hard meet, to provide the space if they seem upset to know that you're available if they want to talk about it and to be reminding them that at any point they can come and talk to you about that. Then if the if your child is coming to you, then you get to open the dialogue in that way and they're initiating it and they're coming to you and wanting the support. 
right? So, and then in terms of uh, in terms of a coach, right? Coach coaches' roles are a little trickier because you are providing feedback, you are providing structure, you are trying to support motivation. So there there's more wiggle room as a coach in terms of like what you're saying and what you don't want to be saying. And we also want to create what I would call, we want to start to look for safety cues in your athletes, right? So I teach a lot about building awareness as a coach, or even as a parent, where you're building a lot of awareness of your own body responses, right? We as mammals get really triggered. We have kids on our teams and in our groups that drive us nuts for whatever reason, or that get under our skin, or like, we know that they could do the thing if they would just try a little harder, do this, right? And so I see so often, like, you know, and it's well-meaning, like coming from this place of desire and seeing potential and wanting kids to push themselves. And so it's learning as a coach where your own triggers are so that you can be pausing yourself and getting your system to settle enough so that when you're delivering the information, it's landing in the way you want it to land. Because I think the biggest the biggest issue I see running into coaches uh, with coaches is that it's never what is said and then how it's received is never meant in the same way. Like the impact of what you're saying, right, might not be what you intended. And that almost doesn't matter. It's like what you say. And I think kids are so sensitive and, and they're, and they often are like, they might, you, you as a coach might be having a bad day or might be in a grumpier mood and you're not necessarily irritated at the kid, but you might have more of an edge in your voice. And so then the kid is internalizing that it's them. So a rule of thumb that I work a lot on with coaches when I'm consulting with coaches is checking in a lot with your athletes around how they heard you. If they look confused after you said something or they look upset or they look like your motivational speech didn't motivate them, right? Like to not take that personally, like there's something that's wrong with them or you, it's to check in, oh, how did you hear me say that? Like, how are you interpreting what I just said? Because most of the time, the conflicts they're having is coming from a well-meaning coach who's not intending to upset the, the athlete at all. It's the, it's the way the athlete in that moment is also kind of interpreting it. And so I, I, I think that sort of answered it. So it's sort of like coming in with compassion when both parents and, and, and coaches learning body awareness, like your own, and then like the physical nervous system that's in front of you. Like there are certain cues and signs you can start to look for when your athletes are getting more agitated. And I'm sure you see it, right? Like they get a little bouncy, they get sweaty, their face gets red, their ears might get red, some kids look away, some kids avoid, they go get a drink, they go to the bathroom nine times, right? They're not, they're, they're not doing the conditioning, right? All of those avoidant, uh, annoying, shall we say, right? Behaviors are indications that there's something else going on for the kid in their system and not necessarily like they're misbehaving or trying to intentionally like blow off practice when a kid is avoiding that is a freeze response in the body that's how freeze sort of is like a protective response i'm not going to try this hard thing or i'm not going to do this i'm going to opt out and go get a drink or go goof around with my friends because that's like less threatening 
No, that, that totally makes sense. And I think, again, all of us coaches, I think if we think about it, we can see, you know, those situations and be like, oh, that's totally me. Or like, okay, I can see how I need to look at it a little differently. So no, that's great. Um, now, and I know, especially as kids are getting older, usually they find their sport and they stick to their sport. Yeah. Um, but I think like younger kids, you know, we, they dabble a little more, um, do you ever, and I'm sure like, again, it's hard to put, has this ever happened or does this always happen on things? But, um, do kids ever, athletes ever come to you and it kind of, the decision is made that like, this is not for them anymore. Like the sport is not something they can, they can manage, not something they can do. And like, kind of, how does that look? What is that situation? If you've ever encountered that, obviously. Sure. It's such a good question. And I do see a large percentage of that because oftentimes performance problems are, um, they stem from, right. A kid that might not want to be in the sport anymore. And so a lot of what I see, and, and I think we have a problem in general with our youth around overcommitting and overscheduling and burnout. And it's, you know, we have a population of adults right now who are really ill and who are really exhausted and who are really overworked and we're, and we're scheduling our kids and setting them up in, in the same way. So I work a ton with teenage, um, age kids, and I work a lot with, um, 20 year olds college students and everyone is exhausted. And so oftentimes kids are coming because they are doing the sport because their parents are encouraging it and are excited about it for them. And they don't feel like they're able to get out of it. They don't feel like they're able to say no, because it's either um, really pushed on and mom and dad have spent a lot of money or they're feeling like it's their identity. So a lot of kids come confused because they are their sport and they've never known anything else. And now they might, you know, it's middle school. It happens a lot sort of middle school to high school. I see where we've been committed for a while in a sport and then kids want to have sleepovers and they want to do after school clubs and they want to try other things. And that's not necessarily feasible when they're super committed to a highly competitive team commitment or type training. So part of making that evaluation is we want kids leaving sports because they don't want to do it anymore because they're not enjoying it anymore, not because there's fear or there's something else going on. So oftentimes I'm brought in because I've got a gymnast who's got a block on something, they can't get it back. And then we're teasing out, do you want to stop because this is really frustrating and upsetting? Or are you wanting to stop because you just don't like doing it anymore and giving permission to not want to do it anymore? So, it, you know, it's a time where kids really, kids are learning and exploring and growing and we want them to try lots of different things. And it can be really hard when kids are talented and then they stick with something and then that's sort of their identity. And then there's an injury or we move to remote learning and I can't do the sport anymore, right? For a while, right? So there's a lot of that for some time. So lots of different factors can come into play when kids might come to see me because they're unsure if they want to continue. But it's a super common question to be holding as kids are growing because you're making a big commitment to be a competitive athlete. It takes a lot of focus and determination and motivation. You have to constantly choose into hard work. 
you got to want that <laughs> in, in order to show up for that, that that's not just, oh, I'm good at this and I do it. You have to constantly be making those hard choices. And, and if there's doubt or there's fear, it's harder to choose into that. So we want to tease out what's fear, what's maybe a situation with an abusive coach or like a coach that's yelling or berating, what is you just wanting to try some other things. And I've also had kids who've taken breaks from sports and then come back because they took a break and they tried a couple different things and they realized, wow, I really love insert choice sport. And then they're choosing into it because they know that they love it. And they're coming from their own autonomy and choosing it, not because mom wants me to do it or coach really thinks I'm good at doing it. And so I've got to keep doing it for them. We want kids choosing into it for themselves. Oh, definitely. And I feel like that's come up with a lot of other people I've interviewed too, is just talking about, you know, the overscheduling comes up so often. I even had like a moment this morning where, so my son's not even two yet. And this morning I signed him up for soccer and ballet for the fall. And I'm like, everyone's like, oh, this is gonna be so fun. Cause he loves meeting other people. And I was I'm like, am I already the parent who's <laughs> overscheduling my kid in two sports? And he's not even yeah. two, but I'm like, I'm justifying it by being like, they're not really sports. It's literally just playing with yeah. other children. So, but I mean, it comes up all the time, right? Like there's so many things available, you know, you commit to school and then you have to be on the travel team. And then, you know, there's just, yeah. it's hard not to really be that way. Um, Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it's just kind of the way our culture is, unfortunately. So hopefully, you know, we can all kind of shift it a little bit, but with, I guess, kind of the other end of that. So not thinking of like the external push of like parents and coaches really pushing the kids to be in the sport, but for kids who come to see you or student athletes or athletes just in general who come to see you and they are having these blocks or whatever performance issues, but they, they just, they don't know how to stop. They don't know how to take rest recovery. Yes. And, you know, they can't, they can't see how I'm going to get better if I back off, like, how yes. do you work through that with them? Yes. And that's such, and I was going to kind of go there next too, because part of this overscheduling, right. And in our culture is uh, underappreciation for rest. And so there's a lot of education and in the work that I'm doing, I'm teaching any age, <laughs> breaking it down with the younger kids and, but really teaching around how our physiology actually works, how our physical capacity actually works. And rest is an active state. Rest is doing. And rest is essential for your maximum ability to execute in the way that you want to execute. And so it's a lot of education around how our body actually works and how we can be more efficient and get the results that we want if we're actually building in what I would call like a down regulation time. That's the when we're sleeping, right? Making sure we're getting really good sleep and building in actual rest days where you're not working out and you're not pushing it and you're actually giving your physical system a break. Because I have to tell you, I work a lot with adults in their 50s and 60s, and we're rewiring this. I have adult, I have marathon runners who can't rest, who won't take a rest day. And I want to yell at them, yell at them more than I do the kids. Like the <laughs> rest is doing. And so one of one of the 
one of the tools that I bring to the table in my work is I'm a melt method instructor, which is a modality that uses these little rubber balls and these very large soft foam rollers that work to hydrate your connective tissue. So it's different than rolling out the muscle. It's bringing in fluid into the fluid system, which houses and protects all of your muscles and bones. And every time you do a hand or foot treatment or you get on the roller, you're bringing your body into this down regulation. You're helping your tissues and your whole nervous system come out of activation, which is the doing and the going and the practice and here and I got school and I'm not stopping and I keep going. So then when I try to go to bed and I'm just still churning because I've not stopped all day. <laughs> so this modality is amazing and helps with rest and recovery. It helps with healing from injury. And it is a way to build in something concretely that will actually regenerate the tissues for your long-term use that you're using as a competitive athlete, you're using your bodies in a way they're not designed to be used. And so this is a way to make sure that we're protecting the, the joint system and we're helping the nervous system build patterns of I can get activated, which means I can get stressed out, which means I can run really efficiently and fast. And then my body gets to come out of that and I can rest and repair and restore. And from my perspective, the rest piece is equally as important as the training piece because you cannot train at a high level if your body is falling apart or you're repetitively injuring yourself or you're training on sore or busted body parts. Our bodies don't want to be in pain. They're wired to avoid that. So if you're training on on fatigue that's not just fatigue or you're training on an actual injury it becomes a problem for your body you're not going to execute at your top level and it's tricky for athletes sometimes i think because there is a certain level of push you have to do and an overriding that you have to do to have a high level of training so what what i'm really big on is helping athletes and i'm really big about teaching this to coaches helping athletes identify their pain scales and learning like what, like on zero to 10, where zero is no pain and tens, I got to go to the ER. Like where are your numbers where you stop? Where are your numbers when you wake up and you don't keep going? Or where are your numbers where you might try a workout because you're kind of fatigued and then you might stop in the middle. So getting really curious as athletes about your own bodies. I think sports are amazing that we're using bodies. We can use these environments as um, spaces for kids to learn how to not override when their body is yelling at them. And so that and the other problem that I see a lot of times, I see this more in certain sports like gymnastics, where kids are saying they're in pain and coaches are saying, don't worry, you'll be fine. And that's a really tricky line we're getting into, uh, particularly um, with our own bodies. And if you work with female identified athletes, we want, we want all of our, our kids, but we, we definitely want our young female identified athletes to be able to know when their body's a no and to be able to say and claim to a coach, to a male coach, to an adult, I'm in pain, I need to stop. Or I have my period and I need to take it easier today. Our bodies are set up to... to <laughs> to function well in a cycle. And we have days where we can train really hard and days where we actually have built in as female identified humans, rest days, right? And how do we harness that? 
instead of overriding and ignoring, which down the line is going to create more issues and keep perpetuating the society that we're in, which is full of humans that are overriding their own body cues. And I'm on my soapbox. Sorry. <laughs> No, I was like, I don't know if you were going to stop, if you're going to keep going, because I was, I was right there with you. I'm like, all right, we are, I'm buckled in. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> um, no, I think all that is so awesome because, you know, especially working with, I mean, I guess with anybody, right. But like kids, especially it's so hard, you know, walking that line of trying to help them build resilience and toughen up and overcome like, you know, side stitches almost always are just side stitches. Right. Yeah. But it's like, Oh, it could be appendicitis today. Right. But it's like, how do you, how do you know to push them and help them be like, it's just going to be okay if you go through, but right. Then you, you start to, you know, walk that line of like, okay, now I'm telling them your pain doesn't matter or what you're saying is real, isn't real in your body. So yeah, no, I think that's so great that you pointed all that out because, you know, I, I think it is really hard and trying to help empower our athletes to be able to speak up for themselves and say like, no, this is where I'm at. And you can't tell me that this is not where yeah. I'm at. So no, yeah. I think that's, that's so great. Um, kind of going along with empowerment and, you know, switching it up just a little bit though. Uh, I think you kind of mentioned a lot of things when we talked about, or when I asked you about, you know, tips for coaches and parents to help, you know, you know, be a little more trauma informed or just, you know, be better than, you know, we, we can be. Um, but are there any specific things that you tell coaches to help you know, builds up a more positive mindset for their athletes. Um, it's like, I know our kids in run club, we try to, you know, create some fun mantras to, you know, do some positivity things, even though like the kids can be kind of young for that, but it'll help them as they, yeah. as they grow up. We also talk about just like, you know, using positive thought and they practice doing that in some of the games we play and things like that. But are there some other things that coaches can do to just help everybody in general, not just kids struggling, um, yeah. to just like, you know, maybe they're not even in a negative spiral yet, but it's like, you know, we can always do use a little more positivity, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's, a, and it's a great question because these are skills, all of these pieces, whether you're an, in an active performance problem and struggling or not just a competitive athlete, mental toughness, learning your nervous system, knowing how to deal with competition pressure and navigating uncontrollables and all of these pieces that I work with and bring to the table are our skills, just like your physical skills. And so what I would say to coaches that are listening is to be building in, like you're saying, mindset practices and to be valuing from the beginning, the importance of your mindset of how your body feels of building these awareness of what's going on in your head. We have this mind-body connection. And so it's important that athletes are understanding that like what we feel sometimes affects how we think and what we think very much affects our performance and how we feel in our bodies. So normalizing that, bringing that to the table as a part of, of the curriculum or as a part of your training program. I have a lot of coaches that will do like a motivational Monday or they'll pick one practice or one like at the end of practice, 10 minutes, something to focus on so that they're from the beginning valuing and stressing the importance of the development of these skills. Because a lot of times I'm not seeing kids or athletes until there's a problem. And 
then we're learning from when there's a problem, all of these foundational skills that could be learned right away. And then we get to navigate the problem. So, uh, so starting with just valuing and talking about the importance of like what we're thinking, right? And, and what to do when we have negative thinking and doubts and how we can choose to notice them and to refocus on something different. And so I work with a lot of different kinds of tools around our physiology and how to have coaches help kids settle, like if they're too nervous. So one of the things that I have a lot of coaches do, and this is something that you guys can take and implement, is starting to talk about a zero to 10 scale. And I know we talked about that for pain, but in terms of nerves or frustrations, so I call it the activation scale. On a, so on a scale of zero to 10, how frustrated are you? How nervous are you? How, how freaked out are you? Zero is I'm calm. It's summer vacation and I have no training and nothing going on. And 10 is I'm like freaking out because it's the finals and it's a big deal and a lot of pressure is riding on me. And then periodically asking your athletes through practice, what number are you? So that you're starting to help teach self-awareness of your athlete. So an athlete might come into practice and be like, oh, I'm starting at an eight today coach. Like I got into an argument with my mom on my way. I'm really angry. That kid's going to have a very different start to that practice. And you've gotten some really good information right at the beginning of your practice around like what state your kids are coming in. Because a lot of times I think you, you as coaches are juggling so much, you're holding so many pieces and you have your own lives. And then you're coaching a lot of you are teachers, right? You're doing lots of <laughs> lots of different pieces. And so we might not take into consideration Sally's fight with mom before she, she came to practice or the fact that she might've had a test and didn't do so well. And so helping the kids verbalize and learn what that is and what their number is then helps you as the coach know how to approach that athlete that day and know you can check in maybe in the middle of the practice and sort of get a gauge again. How's everybody doing after we warmed up? You'll notice those numbers might have gone down because they're in their happy place. Most sports for kids are where they decompress and where they start to unwind from their day. So by helping kids start to learn this scale and you yourself as a coach learning it for your own reactivity when you're in environments, when it's stressful and you're in a new meet and there's a lot going on and you have kids who forgot things and you know, you're navigating all these pieces, like what's your number in that moment? Can you pause? Can you, can you settle? And so building in that awareness and helping them learn that, that's where I tend to start with coaches and who are running teams. I love that so much. And I can't believe that I've a never thought of that or B no one else has said that to me yet because we've, I've talked to so many people and we've, you know, a lot of the things that come up is like making sure you get to know your athletes and making sure that they know you care about them and, you know, doing icebreakers and getting to them on an individual level and what motivates them. And like, that is such an easy thing to implement as a coach that helps us get to know them, get more connected with them, learn more about what's going on with them or, you know, all kinds of things. So no, that is, I love that. That is great. I can't wait to actually, we start a new season in the fall. So going to yeah. start putting that into our practice too. Yeah, um, that's great. No, that's, that's really great. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's, it's awesome. I, cause I think the other thing too, that can happen is a lot of times when kids are having a hard time or you're, you as a coach are noticing something's wrong, 
you're asking the kid what's wrong like what's going on and i would say 90 percent of the time that kid's not going to know how to answer that question right. and so the scale becomes more of a neutral way if the kid's learning that scale and learning that what that is for themselves at first some kids go oh, i don't know i don't know and then you say oh, well guess <laughs> a zero is summer and you have nothing to do what do you think right but as they learn that from themselves it becomes more of a neutral way to report as opposed to have to like disclose something upsetting that happened or to even know what's wrong lots of kids are just out of sorts or they didn't eat great or they didn't sleep well the night before there's just a lot going on or you know we carry energy from just the weight of the world and all of what's going on or the adults in our lives lots of kids are coming to practice with the energy from what they're living in and not necessarily their own stuff and so that becomes really hard so the scale is just a great like easy easy check-in yeah no i think the scale sounds awesome um before we wrap it up though uh do you have anything else you want to add i feel like everything has been super helpful so far so just you know your closing statement here you see so i would say I say that. Oh, there's so much to say. I know. I was like, I didn't even really give you a warning else. And I was just like, and we're done. What do you have? Right. <laughs> oh my God. So a few things. I think that anyone that's navigating negative thinking or doubts or anyone who feels like they're alone with their comparisons or feeling not good enough or not feeling like they have confidence that what I really wanna make sure people are aware of is that everybody struggles and most of the athletes that come and see me think they're the only ones. Like in tears, I'm the only one that thinks this, that I, like I'm the only one that's experiencing this and I have a job <laughs> because people are not the only one. There are lots of people that are navigating this. We as adults, navigate negative thinking and doubts or fear or feeling not good enough or those things. And so what I really want to make sure everyone is knowing is that our brain and our body are just this really amazing creature that has the ability to rewire and repattern and reprogram and learn the right things to focus on. If you're too nervous before meets or you're not executing the way you want to, there are very specific concrete things that you can be learning to do so that you're not getting too nervous. Just because you're nervous doesn't mean that that's just the way that it has to stay now for the rest of your life. There's actual things that you can be doing to settle that. So for the athletes listening, you're not alone. And for the coaches listening, you got a very hard job. This is not easy. You're dealing with lots of personalities. You're dealing with parents and we're difficult. And I know that and it, and it stacks. And so to, you know, your self-awareness, your own personal work, your own honest look at how you're showing up and how you're speaking to your athletes and how you're holding yourself, that is the, the best thing that you can do for your team. Separate from reading more drills or any of those pieces, your own self-awareness and your own ability to take an honest look at how you're showing up because we're reactive creatures, we get triggered and it's mostly unconscious unless you've built awareness. And so your best coaching comes from your own awareness. And through that, you get to teach kids 
how to be self-aware, which is what we need. We, we need self-aware humans as we keep moving forward. Um, and, and sports is just such an amazing vehicle for that. Yeah, no, that was, that was perfect. I think a great end to it all for now. Um, and so do you see people virtually or, okay. So how would someone get in touch with you? And I can obviously link whatever we'll get in touch after this to, to make sure I have the right stuff in the show notes, but how do they get in touch with you? Great. So I, my website is peakperformwithsarah.com and Sarah doesn't have an H. So my, my website on there, and that has information about my one-on-one work. I also have a self-paced course called fundamentals of peak performance on there that is available for purchase and you can move yourself through the models i have a coaches edition that includes access for your athletes to the online course along with other coach supplements that so that you're not as a coach reinventing the wheel if you want to implement some of what i've been talking about and have mindset activities and nervous system activities for your athlete. I have it all, it's all all set to go for you. (laughs) And you don't, with a guide so that you can be presenting the information and then have access to me for questions. So that's all on my website. For anybody who knows cheerleaders, divers, figure skaters, or gymnasts, I have a book called Embodied Confidence, 30 Days of Mindset Shifts um, for those four sports. So those are available on Amazon. So if you Google me on Amazon, I come up and I am on Instagram, which I just started because I'm not, I've been mostly referral based, but I just started Instagram. It's called embodied performance and that that's on Instagram. Oh, perfect. Yes. And I will make sure that I get all of that from you because I didn't even realize that you had a book. So (laughs) I mean, I'm now it's like, okay, Tori, don't go on a tangent asking about the book. So we might have to talk again because I feel like I may want to ask you more about that also. Sure. But thank you again so, so, so much for all of your time. This was really helpful, hopefully for everybody. But for me personally, I feel like I got a lot out of it. I can't wait cool. to check out your website a little more on all the other things that you have on there. Um, so thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I just want to thank Sarah again so, so much for all of her time. I'm sure you could hear, well, even in the intro, that I was super excited. And it was just such a fun interview, fun conversation. Um, Really just everything she does is so amazing. And, you know, it's awesome to find people that are also trying to help athletes, young athletes, everybody just, you know, be the best that they can be. So again, it was super cool getting to talk to her and hear about all the things that she does and getting a lot of really great advice in the process. Um, I've linked her website, Instagram, and her books in the show notes. So um, lots of information and resources there for you to be able to find her. Um, I have not read any of the books yet, but that is on my list to do so. Um, So check it out. Thank you for tuning into Raising Runners, new episodes every Tuesday, and we are always looking to talk to people about running, mental health, or anything along the spectrum that can help our young athletes, or just talking to runners or parents and coaches of our young runners as well. Hopefully, you find our resources helpful. If you have questions, comments, or anything else, feel free to email me at marikeerunclub at gmail.com.